What is up, ladies and gents? It's another episode of Tour Talk. I sit down with Sam Keston, COO at Fallings, and we discuss the upcoming Memorial Tournament at Muirfield Village, aka Jack's Place, and you know who, Tiger Frickin' Woods. I don't want to say frickin', fucking Woods. Tiger Frickin' Woods is back. He is back. He's decided to make his return um, at a place that he's won five times, but not since 2012. Um, and everyone is geared up and, and really excited for his return. Uh, we also managed to discuss last week's incredible finish on the PJ Tour. Colin Marikawa against Justin Thomas in that playoff was absolutely epic. The two bombs they both drained. Arguably, Justin Thomas choking, but you know, still playing some amazing golf over the four days. Didn't go, didn't have a bogey for the first three, so you could say it was coming. But he did, you know, he did give away a three-shot lead with three to play. But it's pretty hard to beat a guy that's just stiffing. Uh, sifting the ball every fucking every fucking approach shot. Strokes gained was I think five point nine off the tee. Uh, but strokes gained approach was was around five point nine. So incredible stats from Morikawa. I think you know, given that's his you know second win before his second missed cut, that puts him in elite category, right? Tiger Woods being the other, only other guy to do that. But let's something sink in here, JJ Nation. Tiger Woods would win forty three times before he missed his second cut on tour. Morikawa has to win another 42 times to, before missing another cut to beat that record. Let that sink in. Just going to give you some perspective. Anyway, enjoy. It's a fucking awesome podcast. Um, if you enjoy it, subscribe, share, like, yada, yada, yada. You all get the picture by now. Um, if you want to say hi, DM me, message me, Instagram, TikTok. We're not that big, so, you know, pretty easy to get a hold of. <laughs> But seriously, guys, I'd love uh, any feedback, how to improve. Always looking to make this better and, I guess, more valuable for those who are listening. Thank you so much. Enjoy. It's sponsorship time, ladies and gents. We're brought to you once again by Four Links. What exactly is Four Links? I realized my previous ad was a little convoluted, as passionate as it might have been. Um, what is Four Links? Four Links is a multi-course golf membership that uses a precise engineered point system, flexible enough for any lifestyle. Members gain access to a growing list of golf courses, exclusive video content, and unique, unique experiences with just one monthly fee, giving you the option and variety to play wherever you want in the Four Links roster that covers Nevada, California, and Arizona. Um, does Fallings require a long-term commitment, you ask? Are, they, are these guys just keeping you in for like three years and, you know, and, and still leave your money? No. Each billing cycle, month to month, renews every 30 days. You can cancel or pause your account at any time. They're good guys. They're nice people. Um, and how do Fallings points work exactly? Well, you use them to pay for your tee times, depending on what plan you select, um, i.e. depending on how much money you pay per month, determines how many points you get. You get a certain amount of points each month. Each plan is a different cost per point. No money is ever exchanged at the golf course, and green and car fees are always included. Perfectly social distancing, weird time, motherfuckers. Um, and I also need to alert you and push in the direction um, of Falling's new fantasy platform, the new way to enjoy the PJ Tour, um, where you play head-to-head matches, you pay challenge matches, there's all sorts of matches. You pick your winners. Fallings give you a great breakdown of uh, of each player and their chances for each week and the course and the tournament. And myself uh, and Sam Kesson, the COO of Fallings, uh, discuss it in very much uh, 
very much detail um, on Tor Talk on a weekly basis to give you guys the best chance to earn points to play by playing fantasy golf. Guys, go check them out. Amazing company, fallings.com. Back to the motherfucking podcast. I played golf twice. Um, I played all... Well, I played uh, I played nine holes Saturday on my own. I I was four over, but I had, I had seven pars and two doubles, so... It was good for the most part. Um, Sounds like my kind of golf. <laughs> um, and then just fucked around on, on Sunday. But my God, what a treat Sunday was. Yeah, that was such a great tournament. Did you guys have it like live on TV or did yep. you have to watch like the streaming? No, we, we had it live. And the fact that they brought it forward um, was better for us, right? Because usually I'm up to like, you know, half 12, 1 a.m. if I want to watch the end of a end of a tournament. But obviously it all, it all finished by like half seven hour time. So it was perfect. Um, ah, that's perfect. But did they not have it televised in the US or some shit? I'm, I'm swear I heard so. So yeah, so what they did was uh, they pushed up the tee times, and so what they did was uh, you watch the first like so. Ordinarily, the way the telecasts break out here is that from ten o'clock uh, Pacific time to noon, it's on the Golf Channel, and then at noon it switches over to CBS. So when they push the tee times up. They did like that first two hours live on the golf channel from like 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. But then at 8 a.m., instead of switching over to CBS or like the CBS Sports Network or anything like that, they just put it on like uh, the CBS Sports like streaming site and that was it. So there was no place on like actual television to watch starting from, you know, two hours into the, you know, basically like when the guys were on, the leaders were on like seven and eight. And so, uh, like you really only could watch it like you, you could beam it to your tv from your computer or whatever you know or watch it on an ipad etc but you couldn't there wasn't like actual tv to watch it on which is hard to understand like so the cbs sports network was showing bullfighting at that time what <laughs> you know yeah so like i don't know why cbs felt like they couldn't bump the bullfighting to put it on the cbs sports network but in any case, so I'm sure there were a lot of people in the States who did not see it. The tour can't be happy about that. That's like, that's, that's unforgivable because like, you know, if you look at the final grouping, right, you've got Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, you've got two guys up and coming, both got a win each yet to prove themselves as like, you know, as real creme de la creme. So they've got a huge point to prove. And you've got Justin Thomas, although still 27, season professional, PGA Tour winner, 12 wins on tour. Like, this is a, such a good advert. for That Sunday was the advert for competitive golf. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, you know, that's as, that was as good as, as a regular PGA you could possibly hope for out of a regular PGA Tour <laughs> oh event. Oh, my God. Like, what, what, general, general, like general thoughts, go. Shoot. Ah. Uh, Justin Thomas is hard to put my finger on as a player because uh, I, I, my general impression of him is that he's a gamer. You know, he's got kind of that Jordan Spieth sort of mentality, seems to love the competition, doesn't strike me as a, as a guy that's a choker, really. That having been said, if you look at those rounds, the, the best parts of it were the four birdies he made in a row, uh, you know, that run in the middle of the round where he went from – you know, like on the first three or four holes, he like made two bogeys and nearly shot himself out of the thing, you know, to he played his best in the middle part of the round. when He was trying to get back into it. And then he bogeys two of the last three. And then, you know, he but then he makes a 50 foot bomb in the playoff 
you know, only to end up missing par putts on the second playoff hole and flaring a drive out right that cost him the thing on the third playoff hole. You know, so I, I'm, and I'm sure he said this, that, uh, you know, he's really got to feel like he gave that tournament away. You know, it was his a bunch of different ways. You know, gave up a three-shot lead with three holes to go. It's, you know, you're not, you're not going to feel great about that. And so I think it's going to sting him. I was surprised. I was surprised he didn't win. And I was impressed with Colin Morikawa, who had kind of done a little bit of uh, gagging on his own the last time he got himself into the mix uh, at Hilton Head. You know, he was kind of the opposite that, you know, he came out guns blazing, got a little quiet in the middle of the round, you know, finished strong and then was, was rock solid in the playoff. Mm. So I think the, the big takeaway for me, you know, is that uh, it, it's a little bit of scarring on a guy like Thomas, you know, and, and he's a guy that now when you see him coming down the stretch, you know, you might have more questions than you used to have about a, a capacity of his to close. Yeah, that that's they're all like they're all completely true statements, and I I agree for the most part. I guess the, the main thing that's come out of this for me in terms of like tournament golf is momentum. I think momentum is a huge factor that doesn't really get discussed because you got Justin Thomas who after fifty four holes hadn't made one bogey, not one bogey, not made one. So like you know the the odds would suggest that round four is going to yield some bogeys and it obviously did so it can it could also be argued that just over the four days it's very hard to produce your top level stuff consistently over four days the idea being that you build yourself into tournaments we see it with tiger woods all the time he never goes out and shoots 64 first round he builds himself right. into the tournament and, and and gets himself to a position where he where he know he can win from Whereas Justin Thomas put himself in a bit of a, an awkward spot, being sort of two or three, being like three shots clear. Three shots is nothing in in, in tournament golf. is absolutely nothing. And he he might have already he might have gone to bed that night thinking he played his best off. How could he quite possibly replicate what he'd done the previous three rounds in the final round? Um, and then you've got the other you know the, the other side of it where yeah he opened up with some bogeys and that's like that's criminal, but. I think he buried like five, five or seven holes in the middle bit, in the middle part of the round. Played some outstanding golf. I, th- I think the, I think the killer that he'll really like, where he'll, you know, where he'll still be seething is is having a three shot, three shot lead with three to play and giving it away like that. Um, but it's hard to say he gave it away because Colin Morikawa was he, he was he was plus six on strokes gained approach. It's pretty hard to win a golf tournament when your competitor is stiffing it to six feet every fucking shot. So like I I, I kind of feel for Thomas. I kind of feel like the momentum the momentum gods weren't with him. But when it, when he when he started talking about the word choke, I think that's a little bit harsh. I know you wouldn't say you completely dis- choke. I don't disagree. Th- yeah, I mean I don't disagree that it's harsh to say it's a total choke, but. I always, I always look on Sundays at the moments in the round that are the most important. How did the guy play? You know, that you see, like, how many times do you see with a guy like Rory where Rory will come into the final day, you know, around the lead, a shot back, two shots back, whatever, and it's like, okay, if he can get off to a good start, he's going to have a real good chance to win this thing. Then he blows himself out of the tournament in the first four holes, mm. you know, makes two bogeys or whatever, now he's five back. And then all of a sudden he catches fire, like once that pressure release valve is kind of like yeah. taking a little bit of it off, you know. And so I, I saw a little bit of that in Thomas where it was like when the pressure was highest at the beginning and the end of the round, that's when you saw the worst of his week, you know. And, and I think with guys like 
Tiger, you're used to that being when you see their best, you know? Yeah, that, 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 that's true. But then, like, golf, we forget to game in millimetres because even on the last there, Justin Thomas slips out and Morikara misses. If, if Justin Thomas had hold that, obviously it goes, it goes into the hole. And, yeah, Justin Thomas flared his drive out right, but, you know, he got a pretty that's bad a tough break. break by he the got tree, a tough break by the tree. Morikawa, you know, pushed his first tee shot out right and got a perfect line in the bunker. Um, right. You know where where the the the, the first playoff hole where they both made where they both drained bombs. You've got to give it. I, I think like you, you, there are question marks over Justin Thomas now inevitably because he was three shots up with three to play. Having said that, he showed enough steel for me to know that he's still like a a top level competitor. And I think you've got to take your hat off to Colin Marikawa, who is the first. No, player no doubt now, about that. First player now since Tiger Woods, right? Who's got more more PJ Tour wins than cuts missed. I think he's, yeah, he's, he's, I like that stat. I love that uh, stat. He's the only. I think he's only the second person ever to get his. This is how I heard the stat. Mm. He's only the second person ever, other than Tiger, to get his second win on tour before his second missed cut. That's it. Now here's the best part yeah, of that stat. I, yes, I can't wait for you to tell us this. Here's the best part about that stat is that Tiger bagged 42 more wins <laughs> before that second missed cut. <laughs> that is, I mean, that is just insane. You know, like uh, uh, that is the kind of, the, the fact that only two people have ever done the thing in the first place is amazing. But the difference between what the second guy has to do to do the same thing that Tiger did is staggering. Isn't it just like, I, 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 I love that stat because like, I think, I think we have a hard time is sports fans communicating Tiger's dominance to like the new wave of golf fan, right? When they, when they obviously they've got their new heroes who are a bit younger, perhaps, and you know, they're, they're trying to be like, oh no, this guy's going to be the best of all time. I love little stats like this that really do highlight Tiger's like sheer, sheer brilliance. Everyone's on the hype train about Colin Marikawa and how good he is, but he's got to win another 42 events before missing his next cut to be cut to That's be to, incredible to, to even draw level with Tiger Woods. He's got a win. Players don't like like top zero point zero one percent of players win forty plus times, like let alone miss like miss that level. Of, I don't know what's more impressive about those stats: the two missed cuts before the forty three wins, or the forty three wins themselves. Uh, both. Like, both <laughs> staggering. Know? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be able to, I, like nobody even talks now about cut streaks because none of them will ever stand up to, I don't even know what the final number was of how many in a row that he made, but it, it's not even like, like today's players, the expectation that they're going to make the cut every week doesn't exist. And, and nobody talks about like, it was like a whoa moment when Tiger would miss a cut. You'd be like, what happened? Do you, you want know? to know the start? I actually, I actually know it. Can you guess? It's Give me a guess. Be a cut. I mean, God, you know, 150 142 consecutive tournaments without missing a single cut. Oof. Seven years over a span That's of seven crazy. years. Um, yeah, I, I like how Tiger put that. He, he'd almost put the record book to bed because like, it's never coming back out. Good luck to anybody trying to catch that one. <laughs> oh, man. But um, I Especially mean, like, when uh, some of these tour events today, I mean, you know, you have cuts that are like four, five, six under par. To be able to not have it and manage to make the cut week in and week out like that, it, uh, it's amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I've I've loved the PGA Tour coming back, and last week really was like a, a great advert for golf, and it was amazing to watch that level of competition again. It was pretty cool to see Ricky on the green there watching watching those two battle it out. But like, I'm really looking forward to a to a you know to memor- the Memorial playing like 13 and a half on the stint meter, playing a little bit bit tougher where where level par hopefully is going to be the cut line, um, or even or, yeah, or even I mean, over I'm par. Curious. I'm definitely curious to see the difference between the golf course that we just saw and the one we're going to see this week, you know, in terms of the whole locations, in terms of the speed of the greens, in terms of the firmness of the greens, leave in terms the, of the length of the rough. Yeah, leave the, yeah, the rough. Yeah, I think grow. they're definitely going to leave the rough. Uh, you know, I just don't know how much harder. I, I, I think the, the green speeds will make a little bit of a difference. The bigger question is, is the firmness going to be different? Because I think, if the golf course bakes out a little bit more, then you'll really start to see it become a much tougher test. I, I you know, part of the part of the story too is that this golf course has four reachable par fives. Mm-hmm. Like all of those par fives, if you put the ball in the fairway, you can get home. And so, if you start looking at it in terms of, uh, well, if you take out the fact that. You know, a lot of these guys are going to play the par fives. You know, I don't know who led in terms of, of the par fives for the week, but you could easily play them six, eight, ten under, and you're getting half of your birdies. You know, like half of your score in relation to par is coming on those holes. Yeah. So I think it's kind of, I mean, it's part of, to me, what makes Muirfield Village such a great tournament golf course is it's got such a fun mix of scoring holes and hard holes. Like that, that closing stretch is brutal. 16, 17, and 18 is hard. But you have holes like 14, 15, you know, 11, 7, 5, you know, a lot of holes where you can – birdies and eagles were flying around. I think at 5 there was something like 11 eagles on Sunday or so, mm. some absurd number. Maybe it was 15. There were like 11 eagles on Sunday. You know, so I do think to a certain extent if you're going to have a golf course that's got four reachable par fives, like how likely is it you're able to get a winning score that's going to be closer to 10 or 12 under par when like – you could have guys that are 10, 12 under par just on the fives. Hmm. Yeah, you, you are right. Like, if, if you take advantage of the par fives, it's, you know, it, it's going to stand you in good stead. That being said, I can't see Jack Nicholas allowing the maintenance staff to, to, to let off in terms of difficulty level. I think we're ready. I think we're, we're, sick, of, we're sick of these birdie shootouts now of 20 under par being the winning score. I want I yeah, to see players struggle to get a double digits. We all love watching birdies, but I want to see some some of that, you know, that thick memorial juicy rough. Do you know, like I think I think I like probably oh, yeah. two of Tiger's best shots of all time are probably at Memorial, right? In 2012, where he's paired with Ricky on the last day, that uh, was at 15 or 16 at the back of the green. The there. flop shot from the back. Yeah, right of the green. and then I think yeah. 2001, he made a, he, he duffed the first chip and then he chipped it in for par. Um, I think that, that was, was incredible. Yeah, like I want to see some really gnarly lies that where where you can't see the ball. And it's it requires the top level, and I want to see players like having to play flop shots on the on the on the steep downward slopes. Um, and, and that's just the other thing. Like most traditional courses, the the greens are built back to front, right? Like sloping down. Whereas more Jack's place, it's like there's so many undulations, and to really, I guess, utilize difficulty of that, you need quick greens. So I hope they make them as shiny, as quick, and as brutal as possible. I, I do. Yeah, me too. You know, because I do think, save for maybe Riviera is the other one. If you throw out the major championships, I'm not sure there's a better tour venue than Muirfield Village. You know, I think Riviera and Muirfield Village are kind of the two. I mean, Pebble Beach kind of counts. Uh, I mean, I suppose it counts. Well, the 18th. So you, you, yeah, so you would put that up there. 
But I still look at Pebble as more of like a major championship venue than I look at it as like. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, it might be weird because it does host the AT&T every year. But I might kind of carve that out and say, hey, it's more of a major championship golf course. Like, as far as, like, the regular tour events go, you know, Muirfield Village is at least one of the top three. And you'd like to see it play with a little bit of teeth. Even still, though, you got to give it credit. Uh, it probably identified the two best ball strikers that week. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that is, to be fair, that, that, that is a good point. I like when golf courses highlight that from, 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 from certain players. Um like, like we haven't really talked much about Morikawa because we, you know, we're talking about the, I guess, the, the visual brilliance of it all. But that was some impressive display of ball striking from from him. Yeah, I mean, his iron play is is really at at the highest levels. If he can drive the ball and putt, he's going to be a threat for a while, you know. And I think uh, to me, that's the best test of. Like, if you look at what made Tiger Woods so, so dominant, he was the best iron player in the game. And he still, a lot of people will still say, I think John Rahm said it recently, yeah. that they were like, Tiger Woods, if you put him in the fairway where everyone else is playing from, he's still the best iron player there is. Distance control is no bad. Yeah, controlling his distance, his, his ball flight, you know, being able to shape shots in the greens, all of that, you know, and I think, that Morikawa seems to have that capacity and, and you start to think a golf course like Augusta national, if he can putt well is, is going to be friendly to him. Yeah. You know, that's such a second shot golf course that I would, I would expect him to be a threat, you know? And I think, uh, I think there's an interesting uh, kind of who's going to be the breakout guy between him and Victor Hovland brewing. Yeah, I, I, I can feel that as well. You could tell Victor Hovland didn't quite have his A game on that last day. He made, he made some mistakes. Like, that drive, I don't know why he went for that drivable par four. Yeah, he made par in the end. But, like, for me, just little mistakes like that. Like, Morikawa hit an unbelievable drive to, like, to like 10 feet or whatever. If you that Victor, was amazing. I just, in Victor's position there, like, you drive it to, like, 90 yards, you've got a really small, you've got a really short wedge in. Like, I, I don't know why... You, you you risk the eagle for the for the par where you could just get a, quite a simple bird. I, I, I the think flip side of that argument would be that if Hovland's not a great putter, which is not really a great putter, that he may not have the confidence in his putting such that hey, if I hit a wedge shot eight, ten, twelve feet, I'd rather drive the ball in the green and get to two putt from forty feet for my birdie because that's narrow an entrance though three. that was a narrow yeah. narrow entrance like he's, he's, no he's, if, if, if you if you if you hit if you hit that shot you're either going to be on the green or you're in the water pretty much right um and that would obviously leave him a chip his chip his chipping's not great so like either way you're not leaving yourself you're not playing into your strengths where one thing he is very good at is his wedges why don't you i don't know i I love Victor Hovland. I think he made some poor decisions on a final round Sunday. He'll learn from them. He's a quality golfer. He just he didn't make elite enough decisions um, in that final in that final grouping to really warrant like contending towards the end. But still, a ridiculously impressive start from him. Things that was that four or five events now. Four or five. I think twenty second, twelfth, seventh, third. Like some really impressive finishes. Xander Schauffele, Patrick Cantlay. They're hanging around. They're showing some form. Good to see Jason Day contending again. Ian Poulter had a good had a good run at it. Um, so I think we we're seeing some really really exciting players start to come into form for um, well for for the for the meat of the season, aren't we? 
Yeah, and and we're gonna get Tiger's debut appearance post COVID, which should be <laughs> exciting. I mean, if you look at the quality of the field this week, oof, it's. Well, I, you, uh, I mean, I can't uh, think of anybody who's missing. You sent you sent me that. You, so for, for all, all the listeners, Sam will send me like a, the list of players that are in the in the in the fantasy picks for for the specific week, and I'm looking through this, and it is the who's who of like you're right. There's not a missing player. Like usually, we have a bit of a. You know, not a jokey group, but like a veteran group or a has-been group or or something. This group, every single group's full of like elite golfers, Ryder Cup players, you know, PGA Tour winners, major champions. They're all here. So let, let let's get underway because I I feel like there's going to be um there's going to be some difficult choices among these picks. No doubt about it. I mean, the first three groups <laughs> are tough. Oh yeah. yeah, I would say almost all of them are tough. The only one that seems like an easy not easy, but like down to two guys is Group E. But we'll start with Group A: Bryson DeChambeau, John Rahm, Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson. <laughs> ah, <laughs> you know, I mean, look, John Rahm shoots a sixty-four on Sunday, which is just enough to get him into this conversation. Otherwise, he didn't have a particularly noteworthy week, and I don't think he's been particularly great since the reboot. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen he's had like. Every tournament, he has one good day and three pretty mediocre days. So I would, I would probably toss him out. Justin Thomas is tough to say because he just put four really good rounds together at this golf course. And you would think he's going to be hopping mad after that, after losing that way. He would love to go make up for it the very next week. His game is obviously there. He's been playing well. He definitely merits consideration. Rory McIlroy is a guy I'll sit out this week. I just haven't seen enough post-COVID from him to feel like there's a lot there. Dustin Johnson, I mean, you know, there's no reason why he can't win every week. But I'm not sure that this is necessarily a great golf course for him. I mean, Tiger Woods has won here a million times, but his game is a total unknown. I kind of think DeChambeau's due to come have a bad week. I, I don't think I think DeChambeau will find out this week that he can't spray it the way he could at some at some of the venues to this point. Mm. You know, I, I think Colonial, uh, there wasn't really a whole lot of punishment for missing the fairway there. Rocket Mortgage, not a ton of punishment for missing the fairway there. I don't think that's going to be the case this week. So I might I might I mean, I want to. God, I'm stuck between Tiger and Thomas. I'm going to go with Tiger because I want to root for him. He looked so good in the in the Champions for Charity match. It's probably a stupid pick. But this guy owns this golf course, has played really well in this tournament for many, many years. Uh, I think I'm going to stick with Tiger Woods. I don't think it's a stupid pick at all. Um, <clears throat> for what it's worth, I um, I think, listen to your, to your commentary on, on the other players, like DJ, this course doesn't set up for him in my opinion, although I do think he'll be a factor. Roy McIlroy, he's shown enough to know that he's going to be up there, but like he hasn't got his killer instinct yet for this season. Uh, Justin Thomas, you know, interestingly, I don't think the players who played well last week are necessarily going to be able to repeat that performance. I think it's very difficult to adjust your feel on a golf course you've just played that's completely different, right? Because they they've set up, you know, they're they're dialed quite clearly dialed in for last week's conditions. That might that's going to fuck with them in the decision making for for this week. I think that's why. Players like Roy McIlroy will have sat out. I, I honestly do. I, 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 I think that's going to affect the feel. John Rahm hasn't shown enough for me. 
Bryson, I agree with you. I think it's going to be. I think the, if if the rough's how we think it is, he's not going to be able to spray it. He's going to have to be incredibly accurate with his drives if he's going to contend. Having said that, you can easily see him birdying every single par five every day. So, oh, it's tough. Um, I'm going to go with Tiger as well. I just think there's method to the badness with Tiger. Like it's nothing. Nothing is ever unintentional. He only tees it up to win. He was sharp as fuck at the match, which is like six weeks ago now. You can only imagine he's he's been sharper, preparing his body properly. Like when people say, "Oh, tournament golf," I think we're at a point now where does Tiger Woods need much tournament golf? Like, fucking- how many times did this guy win a Tory Pines when? tournament of the year and he hadn't played in three months or four months yeah like i think that's just for amateur that's not i think that's that, i think that's definitely a factor but not for tiger woods i i just think he's past that and i you know there's a guy who um used to be on the podcast a couple of times called michael kusoff he works at medalist golf club um and he's he, he's been tiger's been spending a lot of time there like he's been out there a lot apparently um so he He's obviously preparing for like you know what what pisses me off about about you know the generic golf fan is they'll they'll brand they'll, they'll put Tiger in the same discussion as everyone else they just don't give him the the sort of respect he deserves in, in that like in that respect he's only going to tee it up if, if he thinks it's going to win at this stage because you know if if he doesn't it's going to impede his body and it's going to impact his his goals and obviously that the, that nineteenth major that he's after um, so I'm I'm going Tiger Woods and I I, I think there's although it lacks I guess you know. I guess sort of recent form to back up our choices. You don't really need that for Tiger Woods. And by the way, if you're a gambling man, is it thirty to one? Is it fucking amazing odds? I know. There's something like I saw ten, twelve guys ahead of him odds wise. Yeah, I was jumped like straight on that. Victor I was like, Hovland. Oh, like come on, like, give me the money. Like, yeah, those odds are ridiculous. They're amazing. But I'm, I'm going to go with Tiger as well. Group B. Patrick Cantlay, Webb Simpson, Brooks Kepka, Xander Shoffley, Ricky Fowler, Justin Rose. This is a demotion for Kepka. I was about to way. say that says that says something when Kepka's not in Group A. He, I mean, he was awful this week. You know, he had he he had a couple of. I'm mean, out of awful might be a firm way to put it, but I mean, he shot two over the first day, uh, and that was like. Thanks to, I think he was seven over. He might have been like five over or seven over at one point. He made like a slew of birdies coming in just to shoot two under. And then the next day, he was like miles outside the cut line and shot like 31 or something on the back to miss the cut by one or two. But by and large, it did not seem like he had most of his game and his iron play looked sloppy. I just don't think, I, I don't think he's all the way back yet. Xander Shoffley played pretty solid. Ricky Fowler played pretty solid. This would certainly instinctively seem like a Webb Simpson golf course. Patrick Cantlay's won here before. His game suits this place really well. Mm-hmm. Justin Rose is a little too inconsistent for my taste right now, too. Mm. I'm going to go with Patrick Cantlay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he, he, I mean, I think he shot 65 on Sunday. He's won at this golf course before. He's a guy who's got really good strokes gained numbers, both like uh, tee to green and approach, which like those tend to be pretty good indicators at Muirfield Village, you know, more than, than most other golf courses. So I think, uh, and, I, and I also don't think it's very likely that you really regret taking him. I could see, I could see with almost any of the other guys, I could see a bad week in there, and I just don't think – like, I think Patrick Cantlay is a, a top 25 lock, maybe even a top 10 lock. 
And so I feel like if I take Cantlay, I'm not going to regret it. I may not love it, but I'm not going to hate it. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good shout. Like in one thing I will say about Patrick Cantlay that, you know, he's 27 years old now. And, you know, that's still obviously incredibly young, but he he should be held in the same in the same category as Spieth, Thomas, you know, that 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 graduation class, so to speak. But because of his setbacks, hasn't yet got there. And, you know, his quality is there. So I, I feel like, you know, although he's won this tournament last year, and I've said it on previous podcasts, like we're, we're waiting for a breakout season from Cantley where he wins multiple times, maybe picks up a major. Like he's a serious, serious player. So I, I really like that choice, but it's tough. I, Webb Simpson, how well, do, apart from the, apart from the players, his other, I don't feel like his other wins have been at that notable of events. I mean, waste management's a big event, I guess. But you know what I mean. Like this is a stack. This is—I I know he's won a major before as well, but that—that that, that was some time ago. Now I just—I just feel like there's other players with with a bit more of an edge. Um, I think he'll factor, but I don't see him winning in this field. Um, might be a bit harsh because he's shown enough quality. I think he did he still lead the FedEx Cup. He's top ten in the world. He, he's got it all, but I just don't see. He him didn't winning play that week. great in Detroit either, did he? No, he didn't. No, he um, played okay, but not not particularly well. Not particularly well. Um, out this group, I'm not going to go for the same as you. I like Xander Shoffley, man. Like I've said it, I've he said, was I, up there. Yeah. He, he was, he was. I think he finished like 14th. He's a very consistent player, and, and, and a bit like Patrick Huntley, he's he's got that extra level, that extra gear. There's no real weakness that I can think to his game, and I think that's something that seems memorial, like a golf course that should suit him too. Yeah, that's driving. He's yeah. a good driver of the golf ball. You he's know, accurate. Keeps the ball in play. Yeah, he's a good. He's a good. He's, he's great around the greens. He's good under pressure. He can go. He goes and runs. Look at the Masters last year. He went. In a, he went in a great run that back line on, on this on the Sunday. He's got it all, Xander Schauffele. I think he's. I think when we're talking about you know risk management, I think he's a he's a locked in top twenty. Um. And yeah, Ricky Fowler, Ricky Fowler. Look, it, it's good to see that he's found something again because he did notably better um, this past week. Although he shot one over on the final day, there was still Ricky. Ricky's coming in the back into form, which is good to see. But Xander Shoffley for me is uh, is the pick in that group. You always want to take. You'd rather take a guy who's in form than a guy who's on his way to being back yeah. in form. <laughs> you yeah, know, there's exactly. a bit of a difference between those two things you know one guy is a lot further removed from bad golf than the other guy is. yeah <laughs> yeah for sure group c another you know tough group jason day hideki matsuyama patrick reed gary woodland jordan spieth matt kuchar gary woodland quietly played some pretty good golf this week very good golf i think he shot 67 on saturday and i think he shot 69 on sunday Finish fifth. I think he had one bad round early. I think either Thursday or Friday early in the week, which is why he kind of ended up like finishing twenty something mm. or or a good ways back where he wasn't really in the mix. Actually, no, I think he, he finished, finished higher than that. He, he finished, finished fifth, like tied for fifth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he finished fifth, but but he was not part of the no. chance to win conversation, and that ha- owing a lot to the fact that he made up a lot of his ground on the weekend. You know, it was kind of like a, a Kucherish tied for fifth <laughs> you know one of those n- wasn't in contention never had a chance to win you barely ever saw him on the telecast but by the way he finished tied for fifth yeah. so he might not be a bad call i would have thought that patrick reed would have been a good call but he played spotty in, in, at least last week uh matsuyama same story like through two or three rounds last week he was up there in the strokes gain approach and he was hitting the ball well 
the putter cooperated for the first two days. And then it just seemed like when the, when the pressure got on, he was a different guy. I mean, uh, he probably is the best ball striker. He's probably striking the ball the best of the six here. Spieth was brutal. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of hoping he had turned a corner, and it's kind of looking not so much so. Uh, you know, I think we got real excited because he played super well, like, the first couple of rounds back at Colonial. Yeah. And you were thinking, like, okay, maybe that time off really did him a lot of good, but now it kind of seems like he's back to where he was before COVID. Uh, I think I hmm. – I think I'm I'm stuck between Gary Woodland and Matsuyama. I think Matsuyama has upside, but also more downside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to take Gary Woodland. It's a, it's an amazing choice because I think when Gary Woodland's playing well, he's got such a repeatable action that I that you just I enjoy his consistency of his of, of his ball flights of his ball striking. Uh, Hideki, you're right, like. You just don't. You just don't feel comfortable with it. Like you wouldn't let him babysit your kids, would you? <laughs> whereas uh, I would, yeah, something uh, like that. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Gary Woodland would take great care of them, and they call him Uncle Gary at the end of it all. You know, like right. that's that's that that's that, that's how I'm sort of thinking about those two. I, I miss Hideki. I miss 2017 Hideki or whenever he was elite. But oh, you it know, it just seems like there's good Hideki and bad Hideki. Well, Bad Hideki can't break glass, and good Hideki is really good. And his dress and there's is not fucking medium awful. Hideki. Yeah, <laughs> I hate watching it. I, you know, it was really interesting when he first broke onto the scene because he had that pause at the top, and you know, it was really intriguing to watch. But then now I'm used to it, and I have to sort of bear witness those awful fucking combinations. He, he pulls out the wardrobe. Like I'm not Hideki's biggest fan at the moment. Um, although he is, it is good to see him playing some better golf. Patrick Reed was playing his way into some real good form until last week, and he was very spotty. Um, but you can never rule Patrick Reed out. Like he's he's very I hard to predict. I thought he was going to win the tournament after the first day. I watched I watched most of his round in round one because he was in the TV window, and he shot the easiest four under I've ever seen. That could have been eight, nine, ten under if he had putted well. And I was like, this guy's hitting the ball the best out of anybody in the field right now. And then it just seemingly got worse. Like every day throughout the tournament. And so I don't know if he's his game is trending in quite the right direction for me. Yeah, and and for me, like Patrick Reed's a really streaky player. Like when when he's playing well, he goes on streaks of, you know, four, five, six weeks. I I I don't see it coming together this week. Um Jason Day, I do though. I I'm going to go out on a limb. He had a very good finish this week and I think it's his home be, club. He, yeah, I didn't know he lived in in Ohio. I did not know that start until this week until the until, you know, whoever in the commentary box said, I didn't realize how well he, how much he knows this place. So, you know, based on that and the fact that I think he's at that age as well, that is, he's at a funny age, early thirties is where if you're a successful golfer, you've got a decent history behind you, but there's a new wave coming through, try and knock you off your perch. And like, if Jason Day is not careful, he has two quiet seasons. He goes into the Hunter Mahan category very quickly. Like, I, I like, completely agree. So, with that. like, I, I think he's almost fighting to maintain. You know, look, look at someone like Adam Scott. He maintained a level of elite golf for a long time, where he's a, he, he's a he's a class act, and he will always be held in that regard, right? He, he broke that bar- he broke that ten year barrier of being good. Jason Day's at the level now where he needs he needs to find something in the next two or three seasons, or else I don't see his career going quite the way he would have hoped or planned it to go. Right? Um, 
might seem a bit dramatic, but I think he'll have the bit between his teeth. He's got to be one of the nicest guys. Like, not that I know him, <laughs> but listen to his interviews. I love the way he comes across. I like, I really do root for him. He's had a lot of bad breaks. Um, and I'm hoping, like, look, it's an amazing tournament to win. Like, Memorial Jack's plays, it's, for me, probably second to the players in terms of best events outside the majors. Like, it would be it would be a great one to put on the resume. Um, so I'm going to go with Jason Day. Matt Kuchar hasn't done anything for a while now. He's getting dangerously quiet, isn't he? I agree with that. Uh, I think, too, that the distillation of a tour down to, like, mostly just the big events hurts a guy like Kuchar, who I think, like, is kind of a volume player, plays a lot, uh, you know, and every so often, like, you know, I'd be curious to see to to look up how true this is. But I suspect he's one of those guys that gets like a big piece of his earnings in like a really small window every year where like he plays a ton, he plays a ton, he plays a lot of mediocre golf. And then he has one month where he bags like maybe a win, a couple high finishes, rides that. And that's like that's what his performance for the season is. You know, I, I just have not seen him be the be the his ball striking hasn't been consistent. His putting hasn't been particularly good. And I haven't seen his name at the top and anywhere near the top of the leaderboard. And it feels like a long time. So uh, I'm with you on, he's a guy that I, I'm not, I wouldn't be rushing to take anytime soon. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Look, I, I think, I, I think as well, like, I don't know how good, look, I know he's got a gleaming resume, but I just don't know how good a golfer he actually is. Like, I know he's a good golfer. Like his record, his record, his winnings, his earnings, no, completely make me look like an idiot if I say that. But like, I just never felt like Kucha was, was really a top level player. I just felt like he picked his times and moments. I feel like he played well when other, when others who were better than perhaps didn't. I know you've just got to, I know you've got to go out there and do it and execute, right? Like I'm not stupid. He's obviously a good golfer, but it maybe it's a bit of me not liking that's created this sort of negative, uh, negative thoughts on him. But, um, I just, I've just never rated the guy. I've wanted to, but like his swings, flat, it's repeatable, but it's flat and a little bit ugly. I can't think of one part of his game that I really enjoy watching. I hate that fucking fake smile after he makes a putt. Like for me, he can, he can stay out of form. He's not missed. Yeah, I think <laughs> the other thing with him for me is that uh, I always start asking questions about a player when their performance in the big events and their performance in like the nickel and dime events have a pretty big dispersion between the two. Mm. And Kucher was a guy who, you know, when you looked, I don't, I don't know how many wins he has, but it surprised me if he has more than 10 and, uh, and he's won a ton of money and he's been on, you know, in the top 25 on the money list, probably an amazing number of times, mm. but I cannot for the life of me think of one major championship save for, for the one with, uh, Spieth at the British. That's the only one I can think of where he he was even had a, a, a chance to win, as far as I can remember. Yeah, I I, I literally I, I don't think I could name you. I, I can't I can't think of that's the, the only one. Wins. I can't think you know, and I'm sure a lot of his wins are some greasy events, you know, weaker fields, uh, you know, where he's one of the headliners, you know, as opposed to. You know the bigger the bigger events where he's up against the best of the best, you know, and I just think that that sometimes some players like it, it almost turns it playing well in a way turns into a minus sometimes as far as how I look at a guy because if you get to where like I'm seeing you enough uh on my radar like from week to week, 
But when it comes time for the big tournaments, I don't see you on my radar at all. Mm-hmm. That becomes like the only thing I notice about you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like on, on the PJ Tour, I'm just reading this up, look this up now, Sam. So he won the Sunday Open 2019, right, Hawaii, which is a bit of a knockoff event anyway. Um, before that, his last win was 2014, the RBC Heritage. Um, he's won a World Golf Championship, but that was that was 2013. At, it was the um, which one? It was the uh, match play, um, the Memorial, uh. at Memorial. Um, and then before that, yeah, he's won the players in, in in the Barclays, but like that's 2012 and 2010 respectively. Like the players yeah. was 12. Players of twenty twelve. I remember them handing. I mean, that them. was a long. Time he, hand, ago. he handed the trophy to Tiger in twenty thirteen. I remember. I remember seeing that. Like, so his last big, his last big win was. Uh, is the RBC a big event? No, it's just. No. It, it was just. It was just. It was just. Especially, it's. It felt this, year, this year. It felt bigger yeah. because of the quality of the field. But I mean, most years that's post Masters. Yeah, it's just you that, know. Yeah. And like it's it's most of the good guys take that week off. It's a good. So it's I think a good he's CV, a, but... and he's getting. You know what? He's getting old. Dude, how yeah. old is he? Well, he joined the tour in 2001 was his debut season. So, like, he's got to be, I mean, you got to think he, he, he's in his 40s. He's in his 40s. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if he was north of 45, to be honest, looking at him. Yeah, me neither. I mean, or at least close to it. Yeah. Um, oh, my. I, I, was, I was looking at the leaderboard before. I should tell you someone who I um, who I didn't realize was uh was back playing was Ch- Chase Kepka finished bottom of the field on seventeen over par. <laughs> I did see that. Um, I mean, it's got a sting to be the the like. You'd almost rather be an insurance salesman if you're like the little brother of a oh, guy like Brooks Kepka. You know, like Brooks Kepka's got like the the amazingly attractive girlfriend and the you know four majors and the, all the attention and all the money and he's you know. And and Chase Kepka's grinding, uh, you know, trying Monday qualifiers and you name it. You know, you just feel for the guy. Like, you'd rather you, – you'd almost feel like he would do well not to try to succeed in the same arena. Yeah. Although, although you know what? People might have said the same thing to Francesco Molinari when Eduardo won, wins the U.S. Amateur, you know, and, mm. and was seemingly the guy that was the better amateur player. You know, you wouldn't necessarily have told Francesco to quit. You know, you might have talked him out of an open championship like that. So, I don't know. I felt I I felt bad for. Him. I, I I don't know why. I just did. Yeah, <laughs> I just I, felt like I felt like he's been dealing with an. He's like the Canada of that family. <laughs> that he's been like dealing with like an inferiority complex with uh, his brother for however long. But the last thing on earth he needed was for like one of his two starts a year to be such a disaster. And, like, have it be just a glowing example of how much worse than his brother he is. Yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate because, you know. Sorry, Canada, by the way. <laughs> my my well, apologies. If there are any Canadians out there that are listening to this, I apologize. I, f- I feel like there's no genuine apology when it comes to Canadians and Americans having beef. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the other thing with, with Chase Kepka as well, like, you know, Brooks did the hard way. He, he played the challenge tour in, like, Bangladesh and shit. Like, he... Brooks Kepka's put the miles and the work in. He wasn't necessarily. I forgot about that part of his story. He That's wasn't. A good point. He wasn't an obvious candidate for for the success that he's had. It took at him all. a while. He yeah. really has. He's a, he's a shining example of a guy who's grinding. He didn't come on the tour in twenty two and amazing. He's he's like 
30 now, I think, like 28, 29, 30. He, he, he's put the hours in on the worst tours. He's put the miles in. He's stayed in the shit hotels. He's had the shit form. He's done the, he's, he's done the hard he, He's done the hard graft to get where he's gotten. It, it must be annoying for Chase to be like, if I just follow my, if I follow Brooks's path, um, which, by the way, is the, the hardest path to reach, you know, to, to the top level of golf, I can get there. But, um, 17 over par, unfortunately, doesn't doesn't cut the mustard. <laughs> Tough outing. He um, didn't even make it. He didn't make it in any of the groups. Uh, actually, he's not going to be in the field this week, but uh, he wouldn't have made it in any of the groups last week. <laughs> yeah. um, and it'll be a long time before any four links contestants see him as a viable fantasy option. Yeah, for sure. Um, group, group, group D. Abraham Answer, Rory Sabatini, Danny Lee, Mark Leishman, Sung J.M., Louis Oosthuizen. I I hate to say because he kind of seems like a dick, but Rory Sabatini has snuck in some decent golf over the last few weeks. You know, it, it hasn't been great. You know, but it but it's been a lot better than I would have expected from this guy at age like forty five or whatever he is. Yeah, honest Abe answer seems like a guy who should have some success at this golf course. You know, it's it's a real ball striker's paradise, and that's certainly his strength. Danny Lee, I just have no I – I couldn't tell you the last time I saw his name on a leaderboard. Mark Leishman, I think, has won here, yes, if I remember right. Yes, but he missed the cut last week, though, didn't he? Yeah, and he did not play well either. Uh, Sung J.M. has cooled off. I think the heater pre-COVID, uh, we haven't seen anything like that guy since he's come back. So I'm kind of shy. Louis Oosthuizen – he played well the first day. I think he shot four under on Thursday. Yeah. And then it just got worse as the week went on. And then he had, I think, somewhere in the 78, 79. I think he Saturday. finished bottom. You might, you might finish last in terms of the players that made the cut, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. He's a t- it's tough to saddle up for, you know, when, you, when he has a weekend like he had to send him right back out on Thursday is tough. I think I'm going to go with Honest Abe Answer. I think he's kind of the no-brainer choice in this group. Yeah. Like, for sure. I mean, Roy Sabatini has featured more than anyone would like to. I mean, who changes their nationality from American to Slovakian? Like, I, I forgot about that. Like, he, yeah. he, he, he sort of, he put the middle finger up to Uncle Sam. And, you know, for, for the, I guess, the, the patriot, you know, how sort of uh, patriotic the Americans seem to be, I guess, from this side of the pond, that can't be a good move for your popularity. Um, I can't see many people really liking that guy. Um, and, also, wasn't he the guy? Was he the guy that did the pull the move with Ben Crane? I'm not where, sure. Where Ben, because Ben Crane is like, you know, historically slow, like well known as the one of the slowest players on tour. And I think Sabatini is one of the fastest, and he got paired with him, and he had just like it got to where he had had enough. And so Ben Crane's like going through his 10 hour routine on the putting green of one of the holes, and Sabatini's just had enough of it. Marches over to the next tee and hits while the other guys, while Ben Crane's still putting. <laughs> I couldn't tell. There was like a there was like a part of me that's like, what a dick that guy is, and then there's a part of me that's like, I kind of like it though, <laughs> you know. I actually like, yeah, I, I actually I, I quite I quite like that. Um, no Abe answers the Abe answers the wise choice. This group undoubtedly wise choice, and if I had to guess like ownership percentage among these six, I would guess like eighty percent for Abe. But I think that. If anytime you get a situation like that, it's it's a ripe one for a big swing if you're willing to take a chance on a guy like Sabatini. Because if Abe Answer has a bad week, misses the cut or whatever, 
this is a hard golf course. The Saturday and Sunday high scores are going to be high. Like this week, I think if you picked a guy that missed the cut at even par, that guy you gave away, I think, I think you gave away a total of 18 shots over the weekend with people who missed the cut. Nuts. And so if Abraham answer does miss the cut uh, and you take someone in this group who does, you might be able to zap 80% of the field off to the side by, by going with kind of a contrarian pick here. Mm. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. No, <laughs> if I, it were me, I wouldn't do it. A Bance is just so safe to watch. Like I, he's the kind of player I'd love to play with and just watch because he's got such a tidy golf game and his short games. Uh, is, he'd be is a lovely. great four ball partner, wouldn't he? He would. He really would. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he'd, be, he'd be safe as houses. And you know, even if he does miss the green, which doesn't seem to be very often, he's got such a lovely chipping action, such a lovely stroke. I, I, I think that um, that's so necessary around this course. So I completely agree with your choice. However, you've sold me on the on the dream with uh, with how the fantasy works, um, and I think out of all those players, out of you know apart from Mansa, I'd, I'd expect maybe to see Mark Leishman play some top twenty five level golf that people might miss. He has one here twenty eighteen, I think. Um, he can go, and he's a very good quality golfer, is Mark Leishman. And if you haven't watched it, PJ Tour do a cool little. Um, guess like a five minute video where they you know get to know Mark Leishman and he looks after his grass like no man's business. Like if you haven't watched it, look at it. It's hilarious. He talks about the hmm. grass like it, like a little kid. Um, so I, I, I kind of let that work. Um, he's a good breed. I can't tell if well. I like that or if that makes me think of the kid who was always like picking grass and right field and sports. <laughs> and you never wanted to trust that guy. Like get, him yeah, the bottom of the picked, ninth, yeah. when he came up, you'd be like, fuck, you know, yeah, he's like picking daisies. <laughs> right, you know. Uh, yeah, that we you know. But no, I'm going to go Mark Leishman. He, he's a very good ball striker. It's not a bad pick. You know, I think if you're not going to go answer, probably the next smartest guy to go. Yeah. Sabatini is like the, you might be the only one that takes him. Yeah. And, and at, you know, if he, he's played well. He's gotten, he's, he's had some like hot streaks of like six, eight holes where he makes like four or five birdies out of left field. Group E is a poof. Colin Morikawa, Tony Finau, Matthew Wolf, Phil Mickelson, Victor Hovland, Cameron Champ. Matthew Wolf played horribly. He did, and it doesn't seem like the kind of golf course that would suit him. No, right. I just don't away. feel like Matthew Wolf's game suits like places where you have to drive the ball well. And when I mean well, I don't just mean far. You know, like I, I think yeah. Matthew Wolf's like a guy that, that will compete at venues that do not put a lot of stress on on hitting fairway but i'm just hard up to believe that uh, i just think that's a very hard swing to 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 keep consistent i was gonna say this as well like sam like do you not think like it probably because he wasn't playing his best stuff but i was not confident watching him play. like i almost knew the ball wasn't gonna reach hit the fairway like I, there was something about a swing that felt really messy like it's almost like he he has to have the tempo that week for it to really hit off well i feel like he was just out of out of kilter and his the rest of his game doesn't really like impress me all that much to be honest he's not you know when it comes to playing well under pressure i don't really want the guy whose swing has the most moving parts yeah i want the guy whose swing has the least moving parts you know and 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 so for me i just i, I imagine that being a, a swing that is heavily reliant timing and difficult to to manage to keep in the same place day to day let alone week to week you know he's he kind of makes me think of like bubble watts yeah where like you know if his feel is 
week is, is good or whatever, or his timing is good, you know, that like there's certainly like a lot of upside in this game, but I just think it's really hard to keep, to keep that style of golf at, at a, at any kind of a, a homeostasis for lack of a better way of putting it. Yeah. No, I, More, I mean, I to me, the two in this, the two in this group are, it's between Morikawa and Hovland. Yeah. Morikawa, you know me, I'm a big believer in the, in the letdown, the post win letdown. Uh, so I think I'm going to, I think Hovland, I, I don't know if it's hard to say because there's, this is a fine line between when it becomes overpressing. But there's a part of me that feels like Hovland has like bagged his like first semi win, or whatever you want to call winning <laughs> a Puerto Rico tournament. You know that he's bagged one there. He's like done enough to this point where like his card is pretty well secure for next year. Like the only real like, you know, upside for him is like he's got to get a real win, and uh, and I think he's going to be hungry for one after last week. You know, as much as he had four good weeks prior to that. None of those weeks did he get himself into contention really until yeah. last week. And I think now that he's had a little taste of it from last week, you know, I think he'll be a lot hungrier than Morikawa is. Although it seems like the way Morikawa hits his irons and, and, and you know, he, he's got to be. An, I mean, he's a great in this golf course, obviously. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Hoblin, but I don't think – I think both of those guys are going to be there this week as they were last week. Yeah, I mean, look, it's hard to ignore Hovland's form um, and it's even harder to ignore Morikawa's one missed cut when you're playing fantasy golf. Like, he's, he's, he's a safe bet to make the cut and then you fancy him top 25 from there. So, like, he's a very hard guy to miss. One other player that's in my eyesight that, like, I can't ignore is Finau because he shot, he shot a 59. I saw that He story. shot a 59 yeah. last week and... He, he also did a, I think he, he did a drive like two, like three eight three carry, two hundred six club head speed or something like or ball speed. I always get the mix up, but it's some ridiculous numbers. Um, and I just feel like Finau is in the same position as like Holden and Morikawa, where I think he's won the Puerto Rico Open, hasn't he? But like he he hasn't won, he hasn't won a major, he hasn't won like a real major event yet. Like and for the quality of the guy, it's quite baffling because he's been, he's he, top tens wise and he's made enough birdies and he's, he's made enough top tens to warrant more wins. I just, I really want Fiena to break through. Like, ugh. I so, do too because he's such a nice guy. I'll tell you yeah. this much. Uh, if I shot in the 50s at my home club, I wouldn't go telling everybody about it if I were on tour. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I don't know that it's such a, like, like, why would you go put those expectations for yourself out in public that way? What yeah. good does it do you? It's not like you're going to intimidate the field, you know, where, like, everyone's going to be, ooh, look out, Finau shot 59 on his couch. You know, like, yeah, I, I, it, it really just, like, all of a sudden, it, it makes you get publicity and expectation that, like, you know, with a guy like Finau, like a guy like Tiger, I, I don't think expectation like matters to him. Like his own internal standards for himself will always put more pressure on him than any outside like external factors could. Like he wants to win so fucking bad, he doesn't even notice if anyone else wants him to win or you know. Yeah. But with a guy like Finau, like you know, he's gotten a lot of attention for a guy who hasn't much of anything. You know, he's been on a lot of cup teams. Like you know, he's kind of like. 
he's got a little more time before this starts becoming the story, but he's not far off from it being like, how come this guy doesn't win? Yeah, you know, and and, and, and I, I look, I, I kind of think that is a semi story. I, I kind of feel like that has been brought up quite a few times. Like, I think the about, I think two seasons ago, we had he had like six or seven seconds. Like, he he, he has got a problem with finishing tournaments. He should have won the waste management earlier this year that Webb Simpson ended up winning. Like, right, yeah. I, he has got that, he has got that killer edge question mark hovering over him. Um, I'm going to leave Finau for this week as much as I love the guy and want him to win. I love your, I love your sort of take on Victor Hovland. Like, he, you're right, he's played some excellent golf, but he hasn't been in the final group where he's been in the mix of it. And I think that's the addictive part of elite golf is being in the final couple of groups. Like, when it's back and forth and, you know, it, it, you know, and the, 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 the level of play is squeezed to, like, the top, the top you can watch, which is what we saw, which is what we saw yesterday. I think he's going to be hungry for more. Like, so, uh, I agree. I'm going to go with Victor Hovland, but... Like Morikawa was a, a guaranteed good pick. Fina will be a good outside pick. Uh, Wolf, I think, is a horrible pick. Uh, Cameron Champ looked looked all over the place. I think he made the cup, but just I think played okay. Yeah, yeah, he didn't play bad, but he didn't play great. And Group F before my battery dies um, on my on, on, on my PC. Another interesting group: Fitzpatrick, Lowry, McDowell, Garcia, Casey, Poulter. Poulter had a good week. He had a very good week. He, he, he drained some put bombs. He was putting the ball very well. That's what's so hard about Poulter is that, like, you know, you look at the strokes gain approach numbers, and, like, by and large, if you looked at strokes gained approach for last week, most of the guys who finished in the top 10 were pretty close to the top 10 or 20 in strokes gained approach. It's, a, it's very much a golf course that relies on your second shot capabilities. And Poulter is not a ball striker, you know, at least, at least relative to his peers. So he always feels like a, like, I don't know. I'm always scared of taking a guy who like needs to put his ass off yeah, to be like a factor. But I mean, if he, if he is putting his ass off, you know, and saving pars and all kinds of stuff, you know, like he's not long either. So like the par fives, he's not going to have a huge advantage. Like, I just don't really know. Like, when he has success, is there any way he has it other than putting his ass off? You know, and I think you're seeing with a guy like Spieth that if your success is putting your ass off, that shit's going to go, you know, at any moment, you know? Yeah. So I think I would, I, I would be leery of his ability to do that two weeks in a row. Fitz played pretty well on Sunday, didn't he? Yeah, Fitz, Fitz, Fitz had a good, I think he was like four under, I think. Yeah. It's a Fitzpatrick golf course. I agree. It definitely, if you can put the ball on the fairway, put the ball on the green, I think like quiet games do well here. Graham McDowell played better than, than one would think. Yeah, uh, but like, you, you should, like, G-Mac's just not on the same level as the other guys in that group anymore. I agree. I agree with that. I love the guy. I, I do, think I, but... Yeah, I think I'm going with Fitz. I think, I, I think uh, it's a Fitz golf course, I think. I think he's probably the guy who has more ahead of him than anybody else in this group. Yeah, and you, you know what it is? Like, we, we, we've laughed about his sort of boyish looks in previous podcasts. Um, Fitzpatrick's game is seriously, seriously underrated. And I, I've, I've said it again, I, I'll say it over and over again, but he is in that position where 
he's had some very good European Tour wins, and he's still like 25, 24, 25. He's a US Am champion. People forget that all the time. He is in the exact same position as Victor Hovland, where there are a, a noticeable win, a notable sorry win on the PGA Tour away from entering that top level of golf. He was in the he was in the uh, 2016 Ryder Cup team. People forget, like Fitzpatrick's right. an elite golfer, excellent ball striker, and there's no man who looks better over like six foot putts than Matthew Fitzpatrick. Um, I love that pick. So I'm going to go with him, but I, I also like Garcia and Casey for this course, neither of which are showing much form, but like those two are class acts who are incredible ball strikers. So, I mean, if you want, if, if you want some made cuts, Garcia and Casey will give it you. But um, I like Fitzpatrick this week. This feels like a good opportunity for Fitzpatrick to, uh, to put his stamp on the PJ tour a little bit into uh you know, it's become a bit more of a noticeable star. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I I wonder with Fitzpatrick, I mean, and maybe this is just part of like, I'm, I might I might soon be saying this about Hovland also, but I wonder with Fitz sometimes about his level of competitiveness. Yeah. Like sometimes you see him and he just looks like such an guy. He looks like so happy all the time. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know that this is necessarily something you'd teach your kids, for instance, but like, you know, I, I, I want to see a guy sometimes when he hits a bad shot that gets fucking pissed about it. That shows me like a guy that really gives a shit. Yeah, know? like a Turtle Hatton. And yeah, you know, I like that about Turtle Hatton, that he's passionate, that he's competitive. You know, like T- Tiger at his best, he would run way hot at times, you know? Mm. And I just never see that from Fitz. It always looks like Fitz is having the best day of his life. And like, well, how's he playing? And they're like, oh, four over. And like, fuck, he's smiling his way through it. <laughs> and there's a part of you that's like, hey, I admire that. You know, like he's able to, to play poorly and not let it affect him. But there's also a part of it in my head where I'm like, hey, if you play poorly, it should affect you. Yeah. You know, so I think he – but I do think he's in a spot where he's like, – like that's how I felt about Hovland is that like – I didn't see I didn't see a ton of anger out of Hovland yesterday when I wanted to see a little bit like when it was getting away from him you know like I, I wanted to see a little bit more a little bit more frustration emotional investment into winning yeah yeah I I I I agree but then at the same time Sam I don't know if we it's just because we're you know we're we're, we're couch fans and you know, everyone reaches that flow state, that peak level of mental, I guess, stability or, or mental performance in very different ways. You know, some True. people need di- people need different amounts of, um, you know, it's that inverted U theory, right? Your levels. I think it's like on the left, you've got like determination or motivation or whatever, and you need that to a certain level to to reach your peak, and that's different among different personalities. And I think Fitzpatrick and Hovland are cut from the same cloth in that instance. You know, they're the the pretty laid back, casual, chill kind of guys. That being said. Does that make them, you know, less of a winner? Maybe it does. Um, so I, I, I have got a question mark over Fitzpatrick's killer instinct, but he has got European Tour wins. He has got a US Am win. There's something in him that is sure. very good. So like I, uh, I think with Fitzpatrick, he's done enough for us to give him plaudits, but he hasn't quite done enough yet for us to really sing his praises. And I think yeah, a, yeah, and uh, and he's done just enough to where uh, if he keeps doing the just enough expectations of him will grow you know i i don't think he's at the point quite yet like hovland feels like he's at that point only because it's been in our face like every week for the last like month he's been playing pretty well Mm. 
mm-hmm. you know, but I just don't think like, especially on the American tour, we haven't seen enough of Fitz like in contention to have that much like by way of expectations for him. So we'll see how, how it turns out. But I like that pick for this week. Yeah. To, to, to be fair to the guy, like he's very loyal to the European tour. He could have quite easily, he, he left, he, he didn't spend that long at college. He won the US arm. Um, and I think pretty much turned pro and he stayed on the European tour for like five, six seasons, like where a lot of people would have been tempted to the move. And I think what a lot of generic golf fans miss is that, you know, it's not easy to go from to, to go from Europe to the, making the PGA Tour your home because True. you know you've got to get a certain amount of sponsor exemptions. You've got to live away from home. You, your hotel, the hotel. It's not like you can go back and see your family for like for a week off. It's long. It's arduous. And it's really really fucking tough. Like Tommy Fleetwood's a, a prime example of that. Like you know, top ten world golfer. And he hasn't got a PGA Tour win yet. Yet he is better than a lot of the people that have won the PGA Tour in the previous last two years. So it's tough to come over the pond and succeed. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of the guys that you have seen who have come over the pond and been successful, a lot of them have done it have have not done it really until they moved here and like yes. moved their families and they here. Got the base. Yeah, it's only really yeah. Terrell Hatton. I think uh, does Terrell does Terrell Hatton live in the US? Don't know the answer to that. I don't know, but he, I, he, how come he's off this week? I noticed he's not, he's not on the field, is he? I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, because I, I, I think after his... After his, um, after his I winning, can't imagine yeah. he couldn't get in, yeah. I, 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 I don't... Yeah, he's strange, I don't know. But again, it could be because he doesn't live in, in the US and certain travel arrangements might have yeah, been Yeah, and it tough. could be he went home and now he's got like the COVID thing, he's got a quarantine yeah, for two weeks. And it could be tough, shit. yeah. Yeah. We'll see, but um, look, I... PJ Tour came like for me really came came back this week with that with that playoff um, and we're at Jack's place these two weeks yeah these two weeks because of how great this golf course is uh, and now like the strength of the field you're going to get this week you know and knowing that we've got a major championship coming just around the corner we didn't talk at all about this but I was disappointed the Ryder Cup got cancelled I mean it was we kind of knew that was coming but yeah I mean let's let's keep that up this that I don't want to talk about cancelled Ryder Cups it's a shame. Nah. Uh, the the only point I was making was to say that it feels like, uh, you know, this is the the warm up big event for the first big event. You know, like the PGA Championship will be the big event. You know, the first real big one, and uh, I think this feels like the first the first step towards that. And I'm uh, I'm excited to see how the golf course plays over the weekend. Absolutely stack field, one of the best golf courses on tour. It's going to be an absolute. It's going to be a gem to watch. Sam, thank you so much for chatting all things golf. It gets me so excited. <laughs> really appreciate it, buddy. Always a pleasure. Speak soon, man. Cheers. Later, mate. Bye-bye.